Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. And I have a great guest today, uh, Walter Longo, PhD. He's a biogerontologist and Italian biologist. Um, he's written a number of books, most recently, uh, The Longevity Diet, which was re-released for 2018. And uh, he knows a lot about, about health and nutrition, so I'm very glad to have him. So, Walter, thank you for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, if you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, I know you talked about your background in the uh, longevity diet. Uh, so, you know, maybe we won't go into that. We'll just jump into the heart of the matter. But um, what motivated you to write The Longevity Diet and to also revise it for this year? Uh, no, actually, I, uh, I didn't revise it yet. Uh, I wrote it this year. Oh. Um, I wrote the first uh, version in, um, in Italian uh, just because I'm originally from Italy and um, and then I, uh, but I, I wrote it in English a, a few years ago. So anyways, uh, yeah, it just came out in the U.S. Uh, about seven or eight months ago. Mm. And, uh, and uh, it's really uh, the result of uh, almost you know, 30 years of research that I did in, in the field of aging. Uh, I started back in uh, 88, I think, studying aging in Texas. And, um, and so, you know, 30 years uh, into it, I, I thought uh, it was time to... Uh, to put it down on, on, in a book uh, in a way that uh, people could actually uh, take advantage of what I actually myself had been taking advantage of for, for decades. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, so I just felt that uh, because of the clinical trials we just finished uh, a couple of years ago, uh, there was enough that they, they could begin to make a big difference for people. So what's the basic protocol of this way of eating and what, what are the effects? Well, the book is divided into two, and one is about the uh, everyday diet, and and the um, I think the the way it's different from from most books out there is that uh, it took a, a what I call a five pillar uh, strategy to come up with uh, uh, what you eat, I mean, and this includes uh, epidemiological studies, uh, basic research, uh, uh, clinical studies, studies of centenarians, and study of complex systems. And that allowed me to come up with something that I feel uh, it's unlikely to change a whole lot uh, in the next uh, 10, 15, 20 years, mm. uh, which is a pescatarian diet, uh, relatively low protein up to age 65, and then a little bit higher protein. And um, uh, and um, uh, in, in a diet that is, uh, you know, of course, rich in, in legumes and vegetables um, uh, and um also has some additional rules, including uh, fasting for 12 hours, eating for 12 hours, and and remove, reducing the meal frequency to about uh, three meals a day um, if you're normal weight, and two meals a day plus a, a snack if you are overweight. Yeah, let's talk about the, um, the fasting part of it, the intermittent fasting portion. I've heard you know lots of different protocols. Uh, you know, fast for 12 hours, eat 12, uh, fast for 18. You know, fast for three days, et cetera. What have you seen is the difference between uh, fasting for various lengths of time, and what's the um, recommendation there? 
Yes, uh, you know, first of all, I, um, I, I always use the, the, the phrase from uh, Greenspan, I, I think it was, they said, irrational exuberance. And, mm. um, and the reason for that is that people are starting to take uh, these words like intermittent fasting and, and using them, um, you know, in whichever way they, they think it's, it's going to benefit them. And I would say that the great majority, even doctors that I encounter, know very little about uh, about uh, intermittent fasting, um, and especially know very little about the the side effects, the problems, you know. And so now I can imagine if even doctors usually, um, you know, for good reasons, obviously doctors are not trained in, in medical school or anywhere else about fasting. Um, if the doctors know very little about it, you can imagine the disaster that is going to happen um, after decades of this improvisation uh, out there. And but that's actually exactly what's happening, and um, uh, and that's a problem. So you know, for example, um, if you lots of people uh, will fast for 16 hours, you know, and and everybody uh, of course gets benefits, uh, but almost nobody knows the 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 problems with it, you know, which is includes a gallstone formation, the need for or for gallbladder operation, and um, and also uh, the uh, uh, several studies indicating that people that skip breakfast usually live shorter, not longer, but shorter. Mm. So um, so and and there's lots of increased diseases that are associated with skipping breakfast. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, this is where the irrational exuberance comes from, meaning that people uh, you know know very little about this and and they, they they do it because a friend of theirs or or whoever is doing it and of course they know nothing about the side effects and and they uh and they really focus on the acute effects right so i lose weight or this change or that change and so i'm happy and i'm going to keep doing it uh, but they don't understand that life is long or should be long mm. and um you know uh, and the, the the part that hurts you could come 10 years down the road you know? mm. So um, you mentioned some negative effects of fasting, and then the positive effects is what everyone's jumping all over. Um, how about the mechanism of fasting itself? What does it do to the body over various time periods? And why does it produce these effects? Yeah, so fasting is, is as a word, is, is meaningless. So is intermittent fasting. We should stop using those um, because it's like saying eating, right? It's The word eating is meaningless. What does it mean? You know, mm. uh, it, just, it could be anything. And uh, so fasting is the same way, particularly when you have, you know, the versions of fasting where you have uh, some food involved, et cetera, et cetera. So it could be anything. Um, but that said, you know, then we need to start saying, okay, for example, um, at 12 hours of fasting uh, and 12 hours of feeding, there is very little negative data about that and, and seems to be a very good practice. I have yet to see something neg clearly negative about 12 hours on 12 hours off. Uh, hmm. You know, the, the gallstone formation is nearly, you know, very, very low. Um, and so there is no, uh, for people that fast 12 hours, uh, there is not an increase uh, in, uh, um, in gallstone formation or a major one compared to somebody that say fast for only eight hours, right? And, uh, and uh, of course, if you do 12 hours, there's no reason to skip breakfast. So all the, those uh, negative uh, um, associations go away. So that's a good one. Um, and then as you go you know, past that, you go to, let's say, 
um, uh, 24 hours. Um, you know, some people, for example, do uh, 24 hours once a week. Um, it's hard to know. There's not much data about that. You know, so so how benefit is it beneficial? Is it detrimental? I would say that it's really made not for very few people. Very few people are going to be able to do a whole day, 24 hours with no food uh, once a week. So I don't spend too much time on, on things that maybe one percent of the people will do. But okay. uh, and also um, and also something that um, something that is not studied very well, right? So we don't know, right? We don't know. Uh, we don't know what the consequence of doing that for 30 years will be. Um, you know, 30 years seems like a, a, a lot of time, but let's say somebody starts at, at 25, that means that by the time they're 55, they might start developing problems. That's not such a good, it's a, it's such a good deal, right? It's, uh, um, that, that's why I don't recommend improvisation. Uh, then uh, as you go uh, past that, then there is uh, all kinds of things like uh, the 5-2 diet where you fast for uh, two days a week. Um, and I think same issue there. Most people are not going to do it. Uh, reminds me a lot of um, of calorie restriction. You know, having less calories all the time. This is what my my mentor at UCLA was world famous for, Roy Walford. Um, so, but the point is, you know, it took us 30 years to figure out that calorie restriction was as good as it, as it was bad, right? So, mm -hmm. remarkable effects on one side, remarkable problems on the other. And uh, and very few people will ever do it in the first place. So a, a very big lesson, but uh, not very useful uh, practically. Um, so as you go past then uh, two or three days then uh, of fasting, then the body uh, switches from a, um, a uh, glucose-based metabolism to a fat-based metabolism. Uh, and that's where things start becoming interesting, you know. And um, but that's also where things start becoming more dangerous if you if you mismanage it. Um, so let's say by do day two or three, um, the, the body switches to this uh, ketone-producing uh, mode and fat-burning mode, and uh, and this also starts breaking things down, you know, at the cellular level, at the at the tissue level, at the organ level. And it wants to break things down because it wants to save energy, but it also wants to eat itself, right? So it, it basically starts, the body starts eating its own, its own components uh, mm. by a process called autophagy. Now, and not just autophagy, there is probably uh, also, um, well, not there is probably, there is also a breakdown at the organ level, meaning that the, some cells are actually killed uh, or reduced in size. So... Uh, that's where things are become very powerful, uh, but of course, because they're so powerful, uh, that's where we introduce the fasting mimicking diet. Um, and the idea of the fasting mimicking diet, which is the other half of the book, uh, is how to avoid all these problems you know, that I just mentioned and how to um, make this as few times a year as possible. So uh, I say that uh, for somebody that is very healthy, this may be only uh, twice a year. You do this fasting making diet. And what is the fasting making diet? It's a low protein, low sugar, uh, relatively low carb, high fat, but certain type of fat um, diet that you know can last anywhere from let's say four days to, to uh, seven days. And most of the uses we're, we're doing, um, and the, the version for normal people uh, is five day long, five days, and it's 1,100 calories on day one, and then it goes down to uh, 800 calories on day two, three, four, five. 
and uh, and so that's the uh, what we think uh, uh, people could do uh, uh, maybe uh, twice a year if they're healthy. Of course, as as they become less and less healthy, so somebody obese, for example, uh, may have to do this um, uh, once a month until they get to a better state. Okay. <clears throat> so what's so the ideal is to not fast at all, but to do a fast fasting mimicking diet, or is there a certain amount of time that it would be good to fast and then do a fasting mimicking diet for the remainder of the time? Well, I, again, in my opinion, uh, every day, 12 hours, that's a very good fasting. It's a water-only fasting. Let's say you, you, you have dinner at 8 p.m., you finish dinner at 8 p.m., and you, you cannot have breakfast before 8 a.m. That's it. And that should be done by everybody every day. And that's a very good practice. And that already improved things for many people. Uh, mm. Then on top of that, uh, I would just do the fasting making diet and nothing else. Um, and I would do it when you need to do it, meaning that most people need to do it maybe uh, twice a year. And uh, mm. everybody else, you know, let's say 72% of Americans are overweight or obese. Yeah, that's 72%. Might need to do it three, four, five, even in some cases, 12 times a year uh, if, they're, if, they're, if they're obese and they have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, high fasting glucose, et cetera, et cetera. So why, um, why do you think that uh, 12 hours is good, but 16 appears to lead to problems? It doesn't seem like much of a difference. Why would there be a change there? Uh, well, I mean, it's not what I think is what the data shows, right? Okay. So okay. it makes okay. a big difference. You know, 12 hours, you're barely depleting your glycogen uh, reserves. And um, by the time you get to 16 hours, you're really pushing the body daily on a, on a fasting response mode. So, yeah, you're going to get more benefits for sure for weight loss, et cetera, et cetera. But then you're, you're pushing the system into a an area that is not very well navigated and 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 a and b is actually associated with problems i just mentioned not benefits but problems right goldstone formation the need for a gallbladder removal operation which is not very pleasant and then uh, again people that skip breakfast and that's most people that will do 16 hours or skip breakfast um, people that skip breakfast are uh, usually they die earlier with more diseases Oh, what kind of diseases have been observed? Uh, cardiovascular disease is higher for people that skip breakfast. So is, I think, diabetes and uh, I believe also cancer. Oh, very interesting. Uh, it, it seems really popular nowadays for people to talk about the uh, ketogenic diet. So what, what are your thoughts around that and what does the, the evidence seem to tell you? Yeah, the evidence seems to tell you that people that have ketogenic diet died much earlier, uh, not just earlier, but much earlier. Um, if you look around the world, not a single record longevity population has a ketogenic diet. So, yeah, it's a bad idea to start with. Um, it does not mean that it could not have some uses. For example, with glioma patients now, they have uh, um, aggressive uh, uh, brain uh, tumors and, and cancer. Uh, we're starting to, uh, you know, working with the oncologist, uh, uh, recommending a combination of ketogenic diet with the fasting mimicking diet with the standard of care. Uh, so there are uses for it, but um, but they have to be based on, on uh, clinical trials. Um, and uh, yeah, again, it's another example of ir irrational exuberance. Um, you know, lots of people are doing things uh, just because they see a short-term effect 
and they think uh, and they think uh, somehow that's going to translate into a longer life. That, that, that's not uh, that, that's not true. Uh, in fact, we now know again for people that have a, a high fat, high protein diet, especially of animal uh, animal based diet, as most people uh, will have, um, that shortens your lifespan. And and increases uh, in some cases dramatically your chances of developing diseases. So what, yeah, what kind of studies have shown that, uh, and how long have the studies been? I would guess, like what you said, you're you're looking for short term uh, effects, but long term uh, is what you really want to look at. So what what kind of uh, long term studies have there been? Uh, the main one is a Harvard study. Um, 120,000 people has been going on for 30 years, and uh, multiple. Um, papers showing that this is the health, uh, the nurse and, and physician study. Um, yeah, so those that have a high uh, fat, high protein, uh, or relatively high protein, not not too high, you know. By the way, it's, it's, this, it's not a, a group that had extremely high protein take, but fairly high, as you will have for most people on a ketogenic diet, and. Um, and low carb, uh, and that showed very clearly that uh, shorter lifespan, uh, higher mortality, and uh, major increases in cardiovascular disease, cancer, et cetera. This is one of them, but uh, uh, we've, we've uh, had our own study showing people on a high protein diet, uh, they, um, they live shorter and they, um, and they have a higher risk for cancer. Um, then there are other studies, a number of other studies uh, uh, you know, even even in mice, if you take a mouse and mm -hmm. you give all kinds of combination diets, if you give a low carb diet, high protein, high fat, they they live shorter, they lose weight, and then they live shorter and have more metabolic diseases. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, if you look at it, if you look at it just in terms of macros, you know, carbs, proteins, fats, etc. Yeah, what, uh, what mixture? Uh, I wouldn't confuse the fasting making diet as something that you do for you know 15 days a year. Uh, with the everyday diet, so the everyday diet, um, the the um, uh, the proportion should be 60, 30, 10. So 60% carbohydrates, 30% uh, fats uh, of of a certain type, and 10% proteins again of a certain type. You know? So that that seems to be ideal. Hmm. Okay. And within carbs, um, any particular carbs that uh, you'd recommend or not recommend? Yeah, because well, carbs, carbs is a pretty the, generic word too. So. Yeah, carbs should be uh, mostly coming from from legumes and vegetables, and maybe a little bit of fruit uh, and um, and grains. You know, so that's uh, that's where the carbs uh, should come from. They they should minimally come from um, uh, sugary drinks and and fruit juices and uh, candy and uh, yeah. So then um, uh, should be high volume, high nourishment carbs. Right? So. Okay. All right. Um, so back to the, the fasting mimicking portion. So I, I think I understand what you're saying. Doing like, let's say, 16 hours without eating every day eventually puts too much strain on your system and leads to problems. But every once in a while doing, for instance, your protocol, the fasting mimicking diet, that's not hurtful. It's actually helpful because it's not so often as to constantly challenge the body. But when it does, it challenges it in a good way. Yeah, not only that, but also we... The way uh, we designed here at USC, the fasting mimicking diet, was to get a little bit less of an effect, uh, purposely, uh, to to avoid pushing people into uh, uh, extreme, uh, too much of an extreme ketogenic mode, because even that is really not well tested. 
And so the idea was, for example, I could have decreased the carbohydrate more. Uh, I could have decreased the proteins more. I could have done lots of things that will potentially make it more effective acutely, but I didn't do that. Uh, and the reason was just that, you know, I did not want uh, uh, any side effects uh, or, or very, very little. And that's, that's uh, you know, part of the design is to say, I'd rather get a little 20, 30% less of effective diet, but 10 times safer. Mm, mm, it makes sense. So what's happening to someone's body when they're on the fasting mimicking diet? What happens to them during that time period? Well, the body starts, uh, you know, converting to a fat burning mode. And, um, and as I mentioned earlier, it starts breaking things down, uh, starting on day two or three. Um, and that uh, people get a headache, let's say on day one and two is the brain is switching to, uh, from a, a sugar, a glucose based uh, metabolism to a ketone body or 50, 50 ketone body, sugar based metabolism. And, um, yeah, so pretty much the human body is, is metabolism and function is revolutionized. And it's probably revolutionized in a way that, um, that you cannot achieve with, I would say, anything else that I know of. Uh, I mean, I, I, I always challenge people to come up with something that will cause more changes than, uh, than fasting or a fasting-making diet done for three, four, five days. And uh, nobody's come up with even something they can even uh, be considered. Uh, so it's an uh, interesting question that I keep asking. And uh, yeah, so the point being, very powerful uh, reprogramming of everything. And, um, and, uh, and we believe that, well, we know from mouse studies that this uh, can lead to the regeneration of uh, multiple systems. Yeah, so we've shown in the mice that we can regenerate the pancreas, regenerate uh, some uh, muscle cells, regenerate uh, or generate new nervous system cells, uh, liver cells, uh, blood cells. Um, yeah, so it's a very powerful, um, if, you, if you use it correctly, is a very powerful um, program that has the job of getting rid of damaged components and replacing them with, uh, with new ones. Yeah, and what, why um, why eat some things that are fasting mimicking versus just a water fast? Because it's easier for people, or are there other reasons that make it better? Uh, of course, it's much easier. This was the original reason why we started uh, working with the fasting mimicking diet. Because we were working with cancer patients, and uh, nobody wanted to do fasting, and the doctors did not want the patients to do fasting. Water only fasting. So that's uh, where the fasting mimicking diet came from. But then, um, you know, it's really also about uh, uh, safety and um, uh, making sure that um, I think now about 100,000 people have done the prolon uh, fasting making diet. And thus far, I haven't heard of, of any report of, uh, you know, major long-term consequences, which is uh, pretty remarkable. I think when you started getting to 100,000 uh, people that have done it, uh, or certainly 100,000 um, FMDs that have been done by, by people, maybe some people have done them multiple times. Um, so, uh, yeah, so then the safety is there and also the efficacy. Um, uh, we believe that uh, lots of the things that are included in the fasting making diet are really helping the system uh, be nourished uh, both uh, before it starts, uh, during and after, you know, when it starts rebuilding. So, so it's really designed to, to for safety, but it's also designed for efficacy 
and it's designed for compliance, meaning that we want people to to feel like, uh, yeah, this is not exactly what they want to eat, but uh, but it's certainly much much easier than um, than uh, we're only fasting. Okay, and um, in particular, you've done work you said with cancer patients, um, multiple types of cancer, or one kind, and and what were the results, and what what was the protocol they followed? Yeah, many many different types of cancers. Um, the the four studies that have been published already are small, uh, and they've been focused on uh, protection from side effects of, of chemotherapy. Uh, this was mostly ovarian cancer, breast cancer, and prostate cancer. And uh, and now we're moving. Uh, um, you know, there are a number of trials uh, on uh, cancer treatment. And uh, those are not published yet, so we'll see what happens. But uh, the mouse data is very promising, suggesting that um, the combination of fasting with uh, with uh, chemotherapy, radiation, uh, kinase inhibitors, et cetera, et cetera, is much more powerful than uh, than the therapy alone. Yeah, when you do the the FMD with um, chemo or radiation. At what point do they do the chemo or the radiation? Is it day one of the FMD? Is it day five? Or what's the best? Have you played with that, the timing of the two? Yeah, usually it's three three days of an FMD, uh, then the chemo, then one more day, or four days of the FMD, then the chemo, and then one more day. Okay, so you've seen that the FMD is protective of people's physiology somehow when they undergo chemo or radiation. Uh, yeah, so far all the results have been positive. They're not huge studies, but uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's certainly very promising. Yeah, that's great. Okay, um, and then uh, what what's happened in mouse models for cancer treatment in general? You know, have how, oh, what's the protocol there for the FMD? Well, in the mouse model, you know, we actually we actually see often uh, cancer-free survival. So the mice that are given, let's say, the chemo alone, uh, they, they, they never become cancer-free. And the mice that are given fasting alone, they never become cancer-free. Uh, it's only the ones that are given the fasting-mimicking diet plus the, um, plus the chemotherapy or other therapies. That's where we see cancer-free survival. Uh, so, so obviously, we're, uh, we're very uh, interested in, in running the, the human trials and, and see if we can at least... Uh, uh, get what what's happened for immunotherapy, where not everybody responds, but some people do respond, and when they respond, they respond very well. So that's our hope that um, the fasting can do the same. I mean, so have fasting, you seen fasting. have you seen more in the mouse models? Have you seen more mice go into remission for a very long period of time, or what's been the result, the end result? No, not very very long period of time, but they're they're just cancer free, yeah, so they're cured. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, we've seen, they, they, cancer, we've seen it with cancer, we've seen melanoma, we've seen it with uh, other people have done it with lung cancer. Um, yeah, so we, 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 we've seen it with many different types of cancers, and, uh, and it's always with the combination. We never see it with uh, either the, the standard therapy alone or the, or the fasting-making diet alone. I mean, so the, the fasting-making diet is powerful as much usually as the chemotherapy. It's really interesting. Almost, they almost always overlap, right? So... Whatever the chemotherapy does alone, the fasting-making diet does alone in terms of uh, retarding the cancer progression. But you almost never see a mouse that is free of cancer after either one alone. Mm. All right. Um, what What are the human trials going to be about? What are they going to do in the trials? And what do you uh, hope the result will be? 
But there are now, I think, about 30 trials either uh, ongoing uh, and or about to start or planned. So, yeah, they go from Alzheimer to multiple sclerosis to uh, uh, many different types of cancer um, to uh, autoimmune diseases, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, we're hoping that uh, at least a portion of those will be positive and uh and uh, you know, eventually, um, this will become uh, standard of care. Okay. And you said in in healthy people, uh, it seems like the fasting they're making diets sufficient, maybe twice a year. But you said in people that have uh, issues, with, I guess they're obese or they have cancer or diabetes, um, a, a better protocol maybe like what once a month? Well, I mean, this should be decided by by a professional. Um, right. I say in general, if somebody say let's say was obese, had uh, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and was pre-diabetic, yeah, that person might want to do it once a month until they move to a better state. Mm, okay. So uh, a lot of this info is contained in your book. Um, in addition to reading the book, what's a recommendation for people so that they really can, you know, evaluate this with the help of a professional and and do it uh, just. Speak to their doctor, or what's your recommendation that they should do to make well, it effective? I mean, you know, it's always good to speak to your doctor. Most of the doctors will say, "I have no idea what this is," and uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, which is surprising because uh, uh, you know, a survey that just came out a few months ago showed that fasting, some forms of fasting, was the number one most used uh, uh, intervention, dietary intervention by people under the age of 34, uh, but. You know, the reality is that the physicians are not trained in this and they um, they will be, but they're not right now. And uh, so we're doing, uh, for example, I'm organizing a two day conference on November 9 and 10 in Los Angeles. And um, and uh, I don't know when you're going to uh, uh, when this podcast is going to go on. But, uh, you know, we have a public session on the um, on November 9 uh, mm. that you can tell people about, you know, it's free. So they just have to register. At US at the Radisson uh, here near USC on the on the afternoon of the night. So meaning, okay. yeah, we're training we're training doctors. Uh, we're also educating people, um, and uh, hopefully uh, a few years down the road, will it will be normal to go to the doctor and to um, you know certainly drugs are not going to disappear, but uh, I think uh, it's a, an additional tool that the doctor the doctor or the or the dietitians will have to help prevent and, and treat uh, diseases is to have this fasting making diet of course uh, you know when it when it when it's a general effect on, on cholesterol or blood pressure uh, that doesn't need uh, FDA approval but um, when we talk about um, disease prevention or treatment that will need uh, FDA approval uh, for for any doctor to uh, recommend it for that purpose and uh, and so we're still working on that, and hopefully uh, we'll we'll get some positive results. Yeah. Okay, all right, that, that's great. That, that's coming up. I guess one more question in that vein. So you know, if someone really wants to do this and they read your book and they're interested, are there any kinds of doctors that are more likely to know about this or at least be amenable to uh, saying, okay, it makes sense, and and to help you work on it? You know, functional medicine versus traditional. Any any recommendations there? You, you mean for people or for doctors? For people that want to do the FMD and they want a doctor's support, um, but maybe they're 
you know, they don't know how to find a doctor that actually would know about this. The, yeah, I mean, you know, the best thing is, is, is to, uh, contact El Nutra that uh, sells the, the fast-fuel-making diet, the Prolon fast-fuel-making diet. I think they have a network now of like 4,000 doctors or more. Um, hmm. you know, lots of the, for example, every year now I'm presenting at three, I, I present for the Cleveland Clinic uh, for the A4M, which is the conference for anti-aging medicine, and there is another one. So, yeah, there's starting to be lots of doctors that are trained that they really understand that, that, that you know, pretty soon uh, uh, we're going to have certification so that doctors can spend uh, days and days of training. Uh, and, yeah, so, but but the company, um, uh, soon enough, I hope my foundation will have more information on this, but uh, right now we don't, but the company does. And so um, probably easiest to just contact the company. Okay. Well, very good. And uh, Walter, any other, uh, I guess, so people for resources, they can attend the conference that you're going to be holding November 9th and 10th. And where is that again? And is there a well, I mean, you know, the, I have to say that the uh, it's sold out for, for physicians. That the, the, so I wouldn't uh, have my hopes high or, or mm. up for, uh, for the training. We do have an overflow uh, room, you know, so somebody really wanted to do it, they can come, but they, they, uh, the auditorium is already sold out. But then that's for the scientific conference. For the public session, that's not sold out. And uh, if you just do a search for a USC Fasting Summit, International Fasting Summit, that should bring you to a, a registration page by USC, and you can just register and uh, and this will be between 4.30 and 9 p.m. on uh, uh, November 9th at the Redison Hotel uh, next to right next to USC in Los Angeles. Okay, very good. And any other uh, ways for people to get in touch, or should they just go to Amazon and pick up the longevity diet? Any other recommendations to find out more? Uh, yeah, they can do that. Um, they also can follow, um, if you look at, do Professor Walter Longo, Facebook, we have a, a Facebook page uh, uh, where we keep people uh, updated on the things that we do. But not just what we do, we also have, uh, uh, you know, uh, new studies, anything that we feel it was well done and published in a very good journal and relevant, we, we post it and we try to associate it with uh, uh, articles from newspapers that, that describe what the study was all about. So, Okay, well, that's great. Well, Walter, it's great to have you on. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for coming. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.